right, well, let's open up in a word of prayer this evening. Father, we uh, thank you for tonight and for the opportunity we have to be here, to fellowship with one another, to be with fellow believers. Um, Father, we, um, we do come tonight and we are... We're thankful for the way that you have answered prayer, um, Father, on, on behalf of, of many here, um, Lord, and um, we, we're thankful for um, the report we got tonight that, that Mike is, is close to coming home, Father. We, we pray that you would continue to be with him, uh, Father, continue to heal him, continue to, to be with Sheila. Lord, to, to give her strength and, and perseverance. Um, Father, during this time, we, um, Lord, we remember night uh, Dixon and pray that you would uh, be with him, Father, that, that his, his appetite would return, that, that Lord, whatever's going on with his, his left arm, uh, Father, the, the swelling would, would decrease in that, Lord, and you would continue to, to heal his body as well. Um, Father, we thank you that, that Willie is, is here with us tonight and everything went well with, with his procedure. Um, Father, and, and you worked through that. Uh, Lord, we, um, we do pray tonight for um, Brett and, and for um, the, the, the tests that are going on there, that, that, Father, you would reveal anything that needs to be uh, revealed as doctors are looking at the the heart monitor and things like that, Lord, we um, we pray for uh, the girls that have um, the hand, foot, and mouth. Father, we pray that you would heal them, and also for uh, his sister-in-law. And um, Father, we thank you that that she was able to have um, the procedure and, and is at home. And, and Father, we just pray for for her healing tonight. Father, we continue to lift up Bethany's grandparents and, and pray that, um, Father, you would be with them as they um, work out this um, new situation in life, that, that, Father, you would, in a miraculous way, um, that you would be with them and, and help them to, to make this adjustment. Lord, be with her parents as they, um, Lord, give them wisdom and discernment to know how to work out the schedule of, of um, driving and all of that. Lord, we just we thank you for how you are actively involved in in the lives of your people, Father. We um, we do pray tonight um, for the time that we have together to to learn together, and uh, we do pray, Lord, that you would Lord open our minds tonight to understand, and Father, transform and change our hearts that we may, might be more like Christ. And so we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been looking at this idea of living zealously or living passionately um, for Christ, for the Lord, for the kingdom of God. And um, we've looked at several different aspects of that. Tonight, we're going to look at the uh, proper object of Christian zeal. Um, so, in other words, what, what, is, what is it that is it's proper and right and good 
for us as believers to be zealous about? What should those things be? Um, and we're going to look at tonight actually four different um, objects of our Christian zeal, and we'll look at each one of these in turn. Um, I did this week um, kind of failed telling it a double side print, so you got two pages and a staple. So um, that's how that went, but that's okay. So as we look at these uh, four different objects, um, the glory of God, our growth in holiness, uh, strengthening our souls and the souls of the saints in the body, and, and in zealous force, the saving of the loss. Um, and one of the interesting and, and the important things that the book really points out about this is it says Christian zeal aims at such things for no other reason than they please God glorify his name, and honor his saving work. In all it does, zeal has no more ultimate intent than to bring glory to God. It's an interesting statement. There, there's no, um, there are no ulterior motives here, right? There, there's, um, we're not this way in order to, for example, to get something for ourselves. There's, there's no selfish reason that might benefit in, in some way. All of our zeal as believers, ultimately goes away from ourselves, and it points to the beauty and the grandeur and the magnificence of God himself. I thought it was a very important point to bring out as we begin tonight. So let's look at these four objects. First of all, glorifying God, the, the glory of God. And we give God glory knowing several things. First of all, we give God glory, knowing that it's He who created us. He is the creator, we are the creation. So um, we see this in Revelation 4, that the 24 elders, they fall down and they worship and they say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. He, he's, he's worthy. He is deserving of this glory, this acclaim, this prominence that we uh, give to Him, making Him known in, in all the earth through worship and, and praise to His name, showing Him to, to be great and wonderful and, and magnificent to the whole world. He deserves it, and, and we should be Zealous, and we should be passionate for His glory because He is the Creator and the Sustainer of all things, and He is worthy. Secondly, we glorify God, knowing that He has redeemed us. So, if we are indeed, if we're born again, He is the one who has redeemed us or, or bought us back for Himself. So, um, listen to this passage from. Ephesians 2, this is just, it, it's so incredible. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now to, that is now, in, now at work in the sons of disobedience, 
among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So then in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He created us, and he has redeemed us. He has made us alive when we were dead in trespasses and sins. And um, the authors write this, The God who made us for his glory has redeemed and renewed us for his greater glory. Now and in the ages to come. We see it back in in verse 7 of of Ephesians that we just read. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So the God who made us for his glory has redeemed us and renewed us. For his greater glory. The very God that created is the one that recreates and renews. He he makes alive in Christ those who are dead in sins. He he takes the heart of stone and and gives us a heart of flesh. Makes dry bones live. It's an incredible thing. And so for that, um, we give him glory. And so let's look at briefly at salvation, and we're going to consider together um, what this salvation brings about in the life of someone who believes. First, it restores the believer to relationship with God by removing the enmity or um, the hatred or the, the anger or the bitterness or the, the conflict um, that sin imposed between man and God. Therefore, this salvation brings peace with God through Christ. It also brings peace um, with other believers in Christ. Um, This idea of of restoration of of relationships through redemption. There's restoration in in relation with God and and, and restoration in relationships with each other. Um, Along with this, redemption also brings about freedom. Freedom from sin's dominion or or control or dominance in our lives. We're able to escape from our slavery to sin. And so we're then also free to live to God and to do all things to His glory. He's created us, He's redeemed us, and, and so we honor and glorify Him. And so the question is, if, if God has done such incredible work for us, should we not be zealous for Him? 
Puritan Oliver Bowles, he wrote uh, back in the, the mid-1600s, and he wrote this about the one who has, has zeal for God's glory. He said, little else attracts him because nothing else matters to him but the glory of the living God. All his affections are aflame in pursuit of, the chief, of this chief end. He minds the things of God as if he minded nothing else. We see there this idea of, of being inflamed, of, of passion, of, of single-mindedly pursuing the glory of God. We pursue His glory um, with this great passion and zeal, knowing He has created us, He has redeemed us, and He also has adopted us as His children. Galatians 4, Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And again we read, It's because we are God's children by salvation. And now love Him as our Father that we are zealous, no longer for our selfish glory, but for His divine glory. Talked about is we find ourselves crying out to God in the same words of the psalmist who wrote, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. This section concludes with, with a quote that I wanted to include here and share. It says, A life that is not lived to God's glory is a wasted life. Is squandered life for which we must one day give an account. Sacred zeal alone will set a Christian in pursuit of God's glory, so that life might not only be lived to its fullest, but enjoyed to its fullest. So we're, we're zealous for it, we're passionate for it, we, we pursue with all the affections of our heart and all of our strength the glory of God with our lives first object of our zeal. Secondly, we're zealous um, for our growth in holiness, our sanctification. Um, it, 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 this zeal starts to just bubble up inside of it. It, it wells up inside of us to pursue the glory of God. And, um, we might pursue uh, holiness in ourselves as He is holy. We desire to conform ourselves to Him in, in our character and in our conduct. Um, we see that zeal uh, inflames our desire to know God and to know His Word. We, we've, we must have it. We, we cannot live without it. Along with this, it also inflames our heart with, with a desire to pursue Christ in all the means of grace through reading of the word and hearing the word preached and gathering on the Lord's day to worship with his people. All of those things, are, are, our hearts are, are inflamed to, to pursue the Lord in, in personal and corporate prayer together. We long for these things and we, we, we chase after them. We, we, we pursue them with our time and our energy. 
Zeal also uh, it compels us to labor, or to work, to strive, to, to fight for these things. It, it, um, it compels us to, to fight for uh, better knowledge of biblical commands. Right? We've we got to know this book. We, we've got to read it. We've got to consume it and digest, digest it and um, be regularly sitting under a, a faithful shepherd who rightly divides the word. Speaking regularly with, with others who are wise in the things of God and, and, and are knowledgeable in the word. I've got to know what this thing says that I might obey. Zeal also compels us to, to labor for clear direction in how we might be obedient to the Lord, how we might serve Him and, and be of best use to His kingdom. We labor for fuller instruction in the truths of Scripture and, and application of, of the principles in Scripture to specific situations and specific circumstances that we, we find ourselves. We want a firmer persuasion and renewed confidence that the word indeed is true. And we're inflamed in our souls to labor in our lives to see that that there's a more forcible influence of God's word upon our souls. Day after day. And as we've talked about, we've mentioned this before, as, as much as our, this Christian zeal inside of us, it, it inflames us for God's glory and for our personal holiness, it also inflames our hearts against the remaining sin in our lives. Um, we see these commands in Scripture in the Old Testament. In Psalm 97, Psalmist writes, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. Word hate there is imperative. It's a command. You are to hate evil. The Lord speaks through the prophet Amos, and he tells the people of Israel, hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. And so we read in our study, zeal loathes and laments sin, desiring nothing more than to part ways, whatever the cost, with any sin that mars its beauty and displeases it's Lord. Um, we should be, be zealous about ridding our lives of this remaining sin that is left in us. And, um, and it's a, a hard time sometimes to articulate um, because sometimes we might be tempted to think that because we still have sin in our, our lives that it necessarily means that we're not zealous against it. Um, and it can, can lead to despair a lot of times, right? If we, we love the Lord, we want to hate sin and, and to perfectly obey Him, and yet the presence of st- sin is, is still there. Um, and it's important that I think we're reminded that there's a difference in, in committing acts of sin and being dominated or being controlled or being governed by sin. Um, George Swinnick wrote, wrote it this way, In a godly man's heart, Though some sin be left, yet no sin is light. In his life, though sin may remain, yet no sin reigns. His heart is suitable to God's nature, and his life is answerable to God's law. And thence he is fitly denominated or called 
a godly man. It's not light. It does not reign. It does not rule over us. We, we passionately, um, with the desire of our being, we long for this sanctification and this growth in, in holiness. And then zealously, with all our might, we, we hate this sin that, that remains. And uh, those, the desires and the, all of those things we have, our, our zeal, then leads us to pursue holiness. Third object tonight of our zeal is the strengthening of our own souls and the souls of the saints. In this section... Um, largely talked about this being seen in, in gathering together with others in Christ-centered fellowship and in corporate worship. So um, it's in coming together and, and with sharing with one another what, what the Lord has done in our lives and what He's teaching us and, and all of those things that we're edified and, and we're built up. Um, it, it talked about when, that when we come together, when we attend worship, we, we're able then to tell others of, of what the Lord is, has done for our souls. In what ways He's he strengthened us and um, how He's comforted us. He's consoled us um, in our lives. And, and in, in that we are, we're encouraged to hear what He's doing. We're, it, it, it revives us in a way. It, it strengthens us. Um, Knowing that the being able to share these things with others will strengthen their souls. Um, so that with, you know, with, with all the zeal we can, can muster with, within ourselves, we should, we should strengthen our own souls through worship and the spiritual disciplines so that we can be more of service to the saints, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the last object tonight of, of zeal that, that we're going to mention is the salvation of the lost. And so the, the consequences of, of trusting in Christ are not, are eternal. Right? It, it doesn't get any more serious than that. And we've seen tonight that when all the, the love and the affections of our hearts or for the God who created us and redeemed us and sustains us. That we have this great zeal and passion and desire for His glory. And in the same way, or in a very similar way, when we, we have great love and affection for those around us, for our family, for, for friends, loved ones, it will lead us, it, that, that love for them is going to lead us to great zeal and passion and drive to share with them the only truth that can save them. So we see several things here. First of all, um, zeal will lead us to pity the condition of the lost. Paul expresses this uh, in Romans. Is he says that he has great sorrow and he has unceasing anguish in his heart for those who are unsaved. So mourning this fact that they do not know the Lord and grieving, sincerely grieving over it. 
zeal also make us lament. They're slavery to sin. They, they're, they're truly say, slaves. They're captive. They, they, they cannot do anything but obey sin as their master over their hearts and their minds. And so how we long for that day that they'll be set free from that bondage and then they will become slaves to Christ to serve Him. Zeal for the lost will also drive us to our knees in prayer for them. Paul, said, Paul writes in, in Romans there, My heart's desire and prayer for them is that they might be saved. And lastly, our zeal for the lost will compel us to do all we can to save them. And um, the scripture reference there, we saw um, in the verses we looked at a few weeks ago on Sunday morning, where Paul mentions becoming as a Jew to the Jews. He became as one outside the law to those outside the law and, and becoming weak to the weak sacrificing his, his wants and preferences in order that he might reach others with the gospel. And he writes there, all in order that he might save some of them. And so we conclude this chapter tonight reading this. Personal holiness, the edification of the saints, and the salvation of the lost are all appropriate expressions of our principal object in sacred zeal, which is the, to glorify God on earth, in this life, in the fellowship of His church, and outside in the world. Proper objects for our zeal. What, what is it that we are to be passionate about? What is, where is our drive supposed to be aimed what, what is it that we pursue? Four things we've mentioned this evening. Next week we're going to come back and we're going to look at the outworking of Christian zeal. Exactly how in our lives should this look when we're living them day to day with great zeal for God's glory. And so we'll actually flesh out some of that next time. So let's pray. Father, we thank you Again tonight for this teaching, we thank you for your word um, the, the, and the, the public reading of it. Uh, Father, we, we pray that you would help us tonight to take these thoughts and to meditate on them. Uh, Father, to discuss them um, with others. To uh, Father, to pray that the Holy Spirit might apply these to our own individual hearts. Uh, Lord, may you work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.